hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, flash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All right, everybody, our long national nightmare is finally over. Chad's back. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese podcast, HR's Most Dangerous. I'm Joel Cheeseman. Guess who's back? Back again. Back again. On this week's show, LinkedIn takes aim at ZipRecruiter and the SMB market. Humans take on robots at your local restaurant chain. And (laughs) Google will probably, in the end, make all this news irrelevant. Thank God robots don't podcast yet. We'll be right back after a brief word from Job Addicts. How many times has someone said to you, we're the Uber of, or it's the PayPal of, maybe they're the Facebook of, in many, many cases, these comparisons fall short of being close to reality or even a useful illustration of what organizations actually do. In the case of Job Ad X, our example is so accurate, so spot on, that it's synonymous with our work. Job Ad X is Google AdSense for jobs. That means we're an efficient, persistent, and smarter ad unit for job-related advertising. As the best ad tool in the industry, Job Ad X offers recruitment marketing agencies, RPOs, and staffing firms real-time dynamic bidding and delivery for client postings through the industry's first truly responsive tool. All this is done with the flexibility of Job Ad X's cost per impression, click, or application. We offer unique budget conservation options to effectively eliminate spending waste. We are not set in regret. For direct clients, Job Ad X delivers superior candidates with the best of programmatic efficiency and premium page ad positioning. We also provide publishers and job boards higher rev share than other partners through our smarter programmatic platform. In many cases, 30 to 40% greater and more through our scalable model. To partner with us, you can visit or search jobadx.com or email us at joinus at jobadx.com to get estimates or begin working together. Job Ad X, the best ad tool providing smarter programmatic for your needs. Oh, you've been wondering why the British accent? Job Ad X has just launched in the UK too. I thought I thought the British accent would uh, would ease you into coming back to the states. So many accents in so little time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this out of the way. Welcome back. Thank you. How was your trip? Wonderful. Favorite parts? Funny stories? Anything? Yeah. So go figure. The beaches of Normandy were amazing. Um, U.S. Cemetery. I mean, there's so so many things that are just gripping from uh, from what we we're able to do in in Normandy. Um, we stayed in uh, Bayou, France, which is just a little town south, um, which was really cool. Uh, we we're able to watch Germany beat Sweden with hundreds of other Germans in Weiden Square, little little town in Germany. You better be careful. The Germans might blame you for their uh, ouster. From the cup. Hey, I, I had to leave sometime. Okay. It's Chad's fault, I'll, Germany. I'll take the blame. 
No, no, I won't. Because they really sucked. It was horrible. Uh, the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Prague Castle, the Louvre, the Arc, Eiffel Tower, Versailles, St. Mark's Square in Venice. I mean, dude, there was so much that we saw in such, such a compressed amount of time. I mean, Julie had us sprinting from place to place. She did, she did an amazing job. And having three teenagers in tow, it was a, a pretty freaking awesome time in Europe. So let's get to what our listeners really care about. What were the best beers that you had on the trip? Yeah. I mean, anything that was Austrian or Belgian. I mean, I was really looking for good wit beers. Uh, France beers suck. Um, <laughs> they just did, man. I mean, Italian beers were okay. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, anything that I could get that was just uh, legit um, and I knew would be out of Bel- Belgium, Austria, or Germany. Um, that's really what I, I gravitated to. Generally, I tried something local, but in most cases, it just sucked. Well, on my part, dude, three weeks without you, there were advantages, disadvantages, but <laughs> I'm I'm overall glad that you're back and that the show is, again, the Chad and Cheese show. Woo, so with that, let's get to some shout outs, if you have any. Um, I'll start it off. Okay. Uh, shout out number one goes to Dan Cross, uh, Capital One, uh, in my capacity at Ratedly. Uh, actually went out and pitched uh, Capital One on the product this week. And Dan Cross uh, is a fan of the show. And uh, it was awesome like to pitch a company and have someone in the audience like, I love your show. So Dan, <laughs> this shout outs to you. Uh, appreciate the love out there in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Is he, is he in relation to Christopher? That would be awesome. But I did not ask that. So I don't know. He didn't have like that high pitch voice. He did have kind of a yacht rock vibe, so maybe <laughs> maybe there is maybe Dan is related to to Christopher. A uh, big shout out to Ed from Philly. He's always active. Dude is always in the fray. Yeah. The big question is where the hell is Nancy from Philly? She's totally gone into radio silence. Uh, that's that's a good point. I bet I bet Ed more than anyone is happy to have you back on the podcast. <laughs> so Ed, there you go. Team. Thanks for thanks for sticking it out for three weeks without him. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I got a shout out to Laura Bartkovitz. Say that. Three times fast. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Uh, did a did a little ditty on Beamery and their oh. their investment last week. I think it was, uh, and apparently the Austin office of Beamery is just massive fans, and they're spreading that fandom throughout the company. So, Beamery, Laura, everybody in Austin, thanks for listening. Yeah, and not to mention uh, Austin. I'm sure we have just so many listeners uh, at Indeed as well. So, yeah, you're making Austin strong. Don't forget Talru, sponsor. Oh, that's right. Christine Shaw from Down Under. She was actually listening to the pod on the way to an event, and we were talking about Vervo, and no shit, one of the first people she meets at the event is Omer, Omer, sorry, uh, from (laughs) the uh, co-founder and CEO of Vervo. So, yeah. Christine, that is Chad and Cheese Magic. Bringing the world together one podcast at a time. Shauna Williams, she loves the show, says it's helped her stay updated in the ever-changing world of sourcing and recruiting. 
Thanks, Sean. Keep listening. Get all your friends and family to listen as well. Give us some reviews. We'd love that. We actually have a lot of reviews. Oh, that's cool. You know, I mean, I, I, that's just iTunes. I, don't, I mean, you're you're the Google guy. I don't know what they're doing over there, but at least on iTunes. Uh, and, and we actually have a pretty good uh, re- set of reviews. So yay for us. Um, in fact, so good, hopefully, that... Um, People that listen will go out, uh, visit chadcheese.com and see the link to vote for the show uh, as the best, I guess, blogger slash podcast uh, at the upcoming TA Tech show in New Orleans, which we'll be, we, we will be attending yes. um, in September. So, yeah, get out there and vote. Go to chadcheese.com and give us some love. Yeah, they're going to have to change the name of that because... <laughs> Three out of the four who are nominated uh, are podcasts. So I think the whole blogger thing's kind of going away. Podcasts are the future people. That's what it is. How dare you bash blogging, <laughs> you bastard. Job board doctor, just so you know, man, it's not and it will never be called a jobby moon. Full stop. Steven Rothberg. Nice jib jab on Twitter. Really appreciate you going the, the extra mile. And last but not least from my side of the house, Talent Talk. I'm going to be on Talent Talk with a bunch of rogue recruiting, sourcing, CEO, just talking shit, I guess. Um, We're going to be talking about technology and how recruiters' jobs, sourcers' jobs, all that shit Mm -hmm. could be taken by AI. And we'll probably argue a little bit about it. You know, uh, that animal guy is going to be on there as well. So uh, we're probably going to have to hit the mute button on him a lot. Yeah, have fun with all that. <laughs> uh, is that a candidate ID sponsored thing? Yep. Okay. Well, at least you'll have the nice Scottish accent to counterbalance the uh, the animal in there. Can only hope. Uh, any more shout outs? That's it. All right. Let's start with uh, the small companies, as we always do. Uh, LinkedIn <laughs> announced uh, this past week that they are seriously getting into the SMB market. And I thought it'd be worth talking about. It sounds a lot like Uncommon. Yeah. Uh, you've read the story. Basically, small business, post your job. We'll provide the candidates to you. Uh, One-click you know, messaging. You can thumb up or thumb down the person that you want to recruit. I have two thoughts on this as I as I wrote about it in ERE and thought about it. Number one is like what this does to the whole sourcing business. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can just post a job and LinkedIn or whoever magically just gives me the candidates that are fits for that, um, what is that? That sort of sources for me, right? Um, as well as the distribution side of postings. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I automatically thought it sounded more like Zip than anything else. Uh, but the big difference, and, and yeah, I can see kind of the similarities with Uncommon as well. But it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like they're doing it within the actual LinkedIn ecosystem itself. That's it. So when when you take a look at Zip and you take a look at Uncommon, they go out beyond uh, their, I guess you could say their ecosystem. So they're doing things, uh, I think, much more aggressive, not to mention they don't have database the size of LinkedIn. But still, um, LinkedIn doesn't house every piece of talent that's out there, period. Just they, they, they don't. So uh, one of the reasons why Microsoft very smartly bought GitHub, when you take a look at what they're doing, I think it's smart. There's no question being able to utilize the data that you have within your system. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. They should have done, done this a long time ago. Apparently, they just didn't have the, uh, the developers that could pull this off. 
Yeah, ever since Microsoft bought them, the development is coming fast and furiously. Now, they would argue, yes, the distribution um, isn't the same, um, but their claim is that you know f- they have 57 or so percent of potential candidates that will never go to a job board or haven't gone to a job board any time recently. Mm-hmm. So, so I agree with you, like the distribution, they don't care about. They just want to leverage their 550 million or 600 million users to then plug into your your job posting. I do think the GitHub uh, purchase is going to be interesting because if they start cross you know cross posting or cross uh, crossing the streams and having GitHub profiles come into your LinkedIn job postings, yeah. um, then that's a pretty interesting way to leverage the GitHub um, universe. Well, I also think another thing I wanted to point out was they're pushing this like service as money, sort of a money back guarantee on the condition that you send can the only candidates are LinkedIn candidates. They have to use LinkedIn profile and you have to send them through your LinkedIn um, job posting page. So in other words, this is sort of a really subtle move to me by LinkedIn to kind of be the SMB's applicant tracking system. So in other words, they'll give you the money back guarantee if you don't flow the candidates through another service, which incentivizes companies to use LinkedIn as their applicant tracking system, basically. Right, right. Yeah. Small, small business can do that, right? But your 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 larger businesses, they just can't do it. Um, this also provides validation, I believe, for all of those companies that are out there that are looking at the same model but doing it within their applicant tracking system because they already know it within their applicant tracking system if they refresh a lot of that data and then they start to target it that those individuals in most cases are going to be more targeted toward the positions that you are opening up versus just going into a general database like a LinkedIn. Now, again, the 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 ability to target within LinkedIn, I think would be much better than most of the other job boards per se that are out there, job sites that are out there. But I really think this validates why companies should be focusing on their own applicant tracking systems, their own data. They've spent millions of dollars over the years to be able to pump up their own database just to let it sit there and wither and die away. Um, so yeah, I th- this is great stuff. But again, we can use this, I think, as talent acquisition professionals uh, in many different ways. Yeah, and I think services like Crowded, um, what Google's doing with Hire in terms of, oh, here, here are 10 candidates that are already in your database that are probably good fits for this. Yeah. The issue is, you know, even if you had a million people in your database, it still pales in comparison to the 600 million you know, that LinkedIn's headed toward. Yeah, it does. But the thing is that in most cases, those candidates that are in your database are going to be much more targeted to the positions that you have available than the huge general database that LinkedIn has. Long term, what do you think models like this do to the recruiting sourcing profession? I mean, they kill it. That's all there is to it. I mean, the sourcing piece in itself, it's starting to learn. I mean, that's the machine learning piece of it, right? So you start to understand what types of individuals uh, are perfect for jobs because you can see who's getting hired into those jobs, right? So you can, the system itself can start to cater toward those types of individuals with certain backgrounds and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I mean, from a sourcing standpoint, you know, this is going to start to cover that ground without having an actual human being 
needing to take days or hours per se, because it'll be done in seconds. Yeah. And also shows the importance of, at least to LinkedIn, to winning cases like the one against HiQ to help protect its data. Because if other companies can start accessing profiles, this service that LinkedIn has launched and other services it will launch become much less valuable because other services can just pull those those profiles. So it, it, it makes clear sense why LinkedIn is so protective of this data because all their new products are going to be revolve around uh, the data that they have and the profiles that they have. Yeah, but they're public profiles. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, the defense of that is going to be interesting. The optics around what happened with Facebook, obviously, Cambridge Analytica. I mean, there's so much that's happening right now that could sway uh, a decision away from what we think it perspectively could be. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a very provocative conversation. And do you think stuff like this enhances the value of an an, an uncommon? And will we see more of those? Oh God, yeah. Or do you think it squashes it? Yeah. No, no, dude. This is this validates right here, right? Because uncommon once again goes out and it does more in a different way, and and so does candidate ID and crowded and all these other. They, they they've got different nuances per se um, to what the what the uh, the actual technology does now. If LinkedIn starts to turn this technology on corporate databases, which I I, I really don't see them doing, um, they might do it within the actual Microsoft applicant tracking system itself. But going beyond that, I'm not I'm not sure. They, they might prove me wrong. But being able to have those other organizations that are out there that actually that, that do that, the crowded's the the candidate IDs, the you know so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that just validates. Hey, look. Don't go to LinkedIn and do this, for goodness sakes. You have all this this data, this talent within your system that just needs to be refreshed, reengaged. And that's that's really what I see the future being. Let's keep this thing going. Uh, Paired, spelled P-A-R-E-D, uh, got $10 million this week in a Series A. Um, they are essentially... The, the on-demand gig platform um, provider targeting restaurants. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Snag slash Snagajob mm-hmm. uh, in the past. Uh, Snagajob, historically known as sort of the hourly post-a-job fill positions uh, through sort of a traditional posting job platform, mm-hmm. has actually changed its entire brand and focus right. by becoming sort of an Uber for hourly workers. So just to refresh everyone, uh, it's an app system. Uh, let's say a restaurant owner needs a couple line cooks and some waiters. Uh, they can go onto the snag platform in this case, look at who are those workers that, do, that are doing that. They can post the opportunity. Um, the worker can select to take advantage of it. There are badges that um, provide uh, the, the restaurant knowledge of who knows what they're doing, who can actually make a hamburger, et cetera. Um, and it, it becomes a win-win for both because for the worker, it's so, you know, when I want to work, I just flip the on switch and I can get opportunities. If I'm the hiring manager, I don't have to post a job. I don't have to interview. I can just, Hey, I need, I need a couple people fill the roles and mm-hmm. you're done. All the payments go through this platform, et cetera. So basically paired, um, is that kind of business. Um, they launched in 2015, they were focused primarily, exclusively, actually, on San Francisco market. Uh, this past uh, April, I think, they launched in New York. So this money is going to help them scale uh, this business. 
of course, shift gigs, snag a job, task rabbit is probably in this, in this category as well, are pretty well funded and established already. What kind of chances do you give paired to make it? I, it's, it's, it's anyone's ball game at this point. I think snag, uh, has, has the best chance just because they've been around longer. Uh, they have candidates in the database. They know, you know, that uh, obviously what the candidates have done over the years, uh, you know, so they have that experience, uh, and the candidate database, which is huge, huge positives and advantage on their side of the house. I think, um, you know, I was watching a, a video on the paired site and it was really cool because the um, individual uh, that was actually a restaurant owner, she said, hey, look, I needed dishwashers. I just wanted to paired and I was able to get uh, somebody who would actually come and work a shift. Right. It's incredibly interesting because, you know, we, we sometimes forget how unpredictable uh, this line of work is restaurant life, right? Um, the, the, yeah. the, just the, the turn and burn that happens, um, the individuals who don't show up for work, right? So what do you do? Mm-hmm. How can you, how can you have that kind of like Uber app per se to be able to say, Hey, I need a dishwasher. Can I get them in an hour or two hours or what have you? So I think, I think it's incredibly smart. Um, the hard part, yeah. once again, though, for them, I think, and, and we've seen this maybe with the shift gigs and whatnot, is scalability and being able to build presence in a market. Are you going to be able to go out there and do a shit ton of programmatic? I mean, how are you actually going to build presence in a market? Yeah. And how do you pay for that? Like, how do you pay to access, yeah. you know, all the restaurant owners in a particular city? Mm-hmm. And San Francisco and New York are ideal because they're so consolidated in a really close knit area. But if you go to middle America, you have a much bigger problem to kind of get that done. Um, I think, you know, ghosted, which you mentioned people not showing up for work, I think is a huge problem. Yep. Um, not only with restaurants, but probably every kind of job these days. Uh, there was a, a article this week about that. But um, what I love about this system is that restaurants start rating workers. So, you know, like who's a really good, reliable worker it's like and Uber. who isn't. So yeah it's, yeah, it's a it's a self-policing kind of system yeah. that really works for everybody. So I agree that this is where this space is going. I'd be really curious to see, will, you know, would this work with trucking? Would it work with, you know, nursing or healthcare or other professions? Um, I think it would. There might be regulations around some of that, but um, I see this as being a trend that we'll be seeing in the future and announced uh, today, I think um, Amazon is basically setting up affiliates or um, franchises to deliver Amazon boxes. So anyone can go out and I think for 10 grand Mm -hmm. start the process to be an official Amazon distributor. So all of these things are are really interesting and happening um, and being driven by this sort of platform, um, you know, model. Uh, driven by corporations and and vendors. Yeah, and, and again, market penetration is going to be key. That is hard. Scaling that is going to be hard to get candidates, as well as getting clients. Right, they, they really have to focus on what the strategy is to be able to get to that point where you can start providing the types of individuals that your clients are looking for. And what I like about paired is that they are hyper-focused on restaurants and hospitality. That in itself makes it so much easier for them as opposed to saying, well, we're just going to help small business. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, try to go ahead and herd those fucking cats for God's sakes. 
Yeah, if they can be the brand that is connected to restaurants, um, yeah. they're going to be way ahead of the game because Snag and everyone else has sort of brands of all kinds of gigs and and jobs. So definitely that is where I would go. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, when Groupon came, you know, the sort of daily deal uh, uh-huh. emails, right? Like, yeah. and it was really popular and people loved it. But then once people found out that, oh, I can just, I mean, that's a WordPress plugin and I can have my own little Groupon here locally. They popped up everywhere. And I'm, I'd am i be concerned in this industry, like it, once it becomes sort of out of the box, have your own gig platform solution, yeah. like these things are going to pop up like local job boards all over the place and make it harder for, you know, a few players to be to be successful, at least in the short term. You see a staffing company buy this thing up. I mean, seriously, because staffing companies that focus really heavily on these types of positions within hospitality and then being able to start to grow that beyond because they have that penetration point, right? They have the candidates. The candidates are already coming in. They have the clients. They already have a sales force going out after the clients. See, that's the big key. It's building infrastructure, not just technical infrastructure, but actual people infrastructure to get those candidates and to be able to get that business in. So yeah, seeing a company like Paired being bought by uh, staffing like Kelly Services or something like that, I think uh, makes a hell of a lot of good sense. Well, it also makes sense that the the founder and CEO of Yelp is a, an investor in this company. Like, yeah. paired is a perfect buy for Yelp, in my opinion. Uh, just start providing hiring services for all the companies on Yelp, all the restaurants on Yelp. Yeah, totally agree. All right, man. Let's hear a, a quick message from our buddies at AJE, and we'll talk about I don't know CRMs and Google and IBM and all kinds of shit and stuff. America's Job Exchange is celebrating our 10th year as an industry leader in diversity recruitment and OFCCP compliance. We've been helping our 1,000-plus customers comply with OFCCP regulations that directly support positive and effective diversity recruitment designed to attract and convert veterans, individuals with disabilities, women, and minorities, and empower employers to pursue and track active outreach with their local community-based organizations. Want to learn more? Call us at 866-926-6284 or visit us at www.americasjobexchange.com. So you're big on this story about CRM voice assistants. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think it's pretty big. Hell, I mean, Microsoft, Salesforce, Amazon, and Comcast actually threw some money in the pot for a company called... small companies. Yeah, little small companies called Tact. Dot AI, another AI domain. It's pretty simple. I mean, in the actual article that I read, really just focused on two words, voice recognition and being able to actually take a CRM, which, you know, I've been in sales for most of my life. And I know CRM is a pain in the ass because when you're on the phone or you're in front of somebody, you always have to try to get that data, that call, that information, whatever it is into the CRM. And that's good for the company to be able to have history, not to mention it's good for you to be able to have that history so that next time you go back, you you can you can remember. So being able to do all that through voice recognition and really it's like a salesperson, just an account executive having their own personal assistant, which I think is incredibly cool. And then being able to attribute all of that voice recognition, that data back into the system uh, to be able to set up calls, to be able to set up tasks and mean all those different things. And you know, as well as I do, because we actually saw 
with Microsoft uh, here in the last you know month or so when they started mm-hmm. pushing out uh, Dynamics uh, sales information and they were using LinkedIn data for their sales CRM. That is huge, big money for a company like Salesforce, Microsoft, Amazon, anybody who's out there. So I think this to me is incredibly exciting because using voice recognition, like we talked about before, for for not just for sales, but being able to start to do this for recruiting as well, setting up scheduling and things like that, isn't as far away as we thought it might be. How do you envision um, this service fitting into recruiting? I mean, is it as simple as just recording the conversations? Is it like, hey, related candidates based on the conversation? Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you see this? Because in sales, it makes sense because you're not going to necessarily record the phone call mm-hmm. on a sales call. Right. Whereas like, you know, we talked to our buddies at Hone It who do interviews and then they create uh, trans, you know, transcription from that. I mean, is where do you see this exactly fitting in for recruiting? Yeah, I, I think from an interview standpoint, it's, it's kind of like uh, the, the Hone It. But also, again, we're talking about it being your personal assistant. So being able to set up tasks, being able to make calls, being able to do all these different things that a salesperson does on a daily basis without actually having to really lift a finger, just saying tact, call so-and-so or call company or whatever it is, set up a, an appointment for or so on and so forth. Um, that's on the sales side. You do the same damn thing on the recruiting side of the house. So really having that personal mm-hmm. assistant per se um, that's there for you to help you just facilitate the whole process. Now, tech.ai doesn't do uh, Google duplex like calling for you, does it? Not that I know of, not yet, but that's a very good point. Because to me, when you the, the names you mentioned yeah. were not Google, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure they're looking at duplex um, and saying, holy crap, we better like spread some money around and figure out how we're going to compete with this. Um, yeah. So, so duplex we read this week is rolling out faster uh, than Google expected. I guess they're yeah. already uh, making it available to sort of most valuable developers and friends of Google and things like that, which is a very Google thing to do. Like, you know, let it, let it out slowly right. and get everyone all hot and bothered. But um, mm-hmm. Uh, in light of the three new services or features that Google released um, last week in, in, a, in regards to click to chat, um, smart scheduling, et cetera, um, to me, duplex probably faster than we think probably next year will start having hiring tools within Google hire that it will call people for you to schedule interviews and things like that. Yes. Yeah. So thinking about, I mean, well, first off, let's get through this real fast because I think this is hilarious. Duplex and the actual uh, Google CEO demonstrated, obviously, uh, scared the living shit out of people. It, It really did. Couldn't believe that we had come that far that the duplex system could understand as well, actually take in the information reprocess it into context and then back out uh, and communicate with the human being. So I think one of the reasons why they're getting this out into testing is to be able to start calming those fears. Um, Jim Stroud actually talked about it. He did, he did a little piece on uh, whether a, and people have been talking about this, about whether the system should actually tell the person that you're talking to a robot or not, which mm-hmm. I don't get. Does that make any goddamn sense? Well, remember we talked to Anoop at Seekout, and yeah. he was a little bit skeptical around 
robotics having conversations with human beings and where where's the transparency there um so there are definitely concerns around duplex and i think those only become more and more um but for me just if it's a scheduling tool i don't like i don't it's hard to imagine in the near future that it will be something that actually interviews people although i think long term it will why not but to schedule something or reschedule, uh, make rescheduling calls, I think that's something that could happen pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think that interviewing is actually that far of a moonshot for this technology. Technology, no, but societally and culturally, it may be. It might be. But you know what wins every single day? Technology and progress. The almighty dollar, man. And if well, a company yeah. can save money... And they don't have to, and they see headcount from the standpoint of how many people are actually making calls per day to actually do scheduling or emails or how much of your time during the day is allocated to these tasks where we can have duplex do this. That in itself will change companies' minds because it all comes down to the almighty dollar. You know it as well as I do. Yeah. Efficiencies, shareholders. I agree. I just think, you know, where our government is, where sort of where we are societally in terms of government and privacy yeah. and what Facebook did and it's fake news. Like if now there's just another thing that people have to deal with of like, oh, it sounds like a person you're talking to, but it's actually a robot. Like I could see a lot of people freaking out yeah. and government saying, hold on a second, let's figure this out um, before you know, that may trump, pun intended, any dollars that could be made from from utilizing this technology. Well, and if this didn't scare the shit out of them, the new IBM debater project did. No kidding. Tell us about that. <laughs> so, so I mean, we've we've seen, you know, Blue played, you know, play, played chess and, and obviously Watson has, has been on Jeopardy and so on and so forth. The new debater project that IBM has is incredibly amazing because it's actually on the debate stage mm -hmm. and it's going against uh, these different individuals who are debating different topics. So for a technology to be able to take in, obviously recognize voice recognition, taking in all this information to be able to put it into context and then to be able to go into obviously all the different points of data that are available to it and then pull back data in arguments and then to be able to articulate those arguments is ridiculous. It's cool. And man, it was scary to freaking watch. Would you would you call it a master debater? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think you have a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> Zing. Boom. All right. I, I got nothing to add on that. Let's hear from uh, Sovereign and... Uh, wind it down. Cool. You got it. Sovereign AI matching is the most sophisticated matching engine on the market because it acts just like a human. You decide exactly how our AI matching engine thinks about each individual transaction. It will find, rank, and sort the best matches according to your criteria. Not only does it deliver the best matches, it tells you how and why it produced them and offers tips to improve the results. Our engine thinks like you, so you don't have to learn how to think like the engine. To learn more about Sovereign AI matching, visit Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. You don't have to think at all because we're doing all the thinking and the computer smarter than you are. Have a nice day. <laughs> 
Yeah, they just need to speed up this virtual reality stuff so I can just sit at home and visit Europe yeah. instead of actually going to Europe. Yeah, yeah. So Jack Ma, was he did a, an interview, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and he just pretty much told everybody, hey, you're not going to be able to compete with AI. These machines are smarter than you are. That's all there is to it. So just embrace it. Yes, we're going to lose jobs, but obviously, you know, this is an evolutionary point. Uh, we will see other jobs created from this as well. Um, but guess what, guys? You're not as smart as the computers are. They're going to be faster and they're going to do things much more efficiently than you are. So just get used to it. I love that you're the resident Jack Ma <laughs> expert. I think that's the second or third time you've you brought him up, the Alibaba founder. Well, uh, in the news, Slack, the popular business Ooh. messaging solution, went went down this week, and Twitter freaked out. Um, it was a big deal by a lot of people. Uh, I use Slack minimally with uh, my consulting mm -hmm. gig with the RE, but I don't use yeah. it that often. Um, I think the two things to mention on this are, one is Facebook was probably happy about any sort of outages at Slack because they have a competitive product. Um, called at work. And it made me think about putting your corporate communications onto a third party provider, good or bad. What corporate communications today are not on a third party provider right now? Email? No, it's 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 not. Generally, people are pushing that stuff through Google. The big corporations are probably have their own servers, but they're on the cloud somewhere, dude. These people, these companies don't own these clouds. They are Azure. I mean, we are we are dependent on other people's third parties. Period. When AWS goes down, the whole internet goes down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have a choice. I and mean, we're going to have to use somebody else to communicate, period. So it's all about who do you trust? And this is a big stab into the side of, uh, of Slack. Um, it, it happens. There's no question. We've seen it happen to everybody before. Um, but when you've got a, a, what is it, $9 billion valuation, this is the kind of thing that you don't want to see happening. Yeah. And people don't like it when communications platforms go down. You know, it's one thing to have your ATS maybe go down for a while or, yeah. you know, my career site's down. But if you can't communicate internally or externally, uh, it kind of sucks for people. So hopefully this won't be a trend for our friends at Slack. Lost time, lost money, especially if sales is using it. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Let's shift gears to this. You wrote and read uh, an article by Mike Wolford this week entitled sourcing is the new recruiting that sort of got you bent out of shape i don't really been out of shape it made me laugh because you and i are talking about i mean really just the process methodology of how ai computers are you know going to start taking over the world on the recruiting side of the house and the first place is guess what sourcing because we already see companies that are sourcing incredibly well efficiently fast um, and Mike is a sourcer and his whole article was predicated on the death of recruiters because of AI, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Did it remind you at all about sort of the late nineties, early two thousands when, uh, newspapers and radio were touting like their strength in the face of everyone knowing that the end is nigh for a lot of their business practices and in, in future, because to me, 
when your business or livelihood is at stake or under threat, yeah. you start you start rationalizing how no, it's not. We're perfectly <laughs> fine. The bur- the burning building is nothing to worry about. Um, to me, to me, sources are more are more at risk than recruiters because recruiters at least can use AI and automation as their tool mm-hmm. to then you know filter out people from then on. But if if sourcing in terms of just finding people, dude, if we get to a place where the LinkedIn's and Google's and whoever else just on a silver platter find everybody that you need for a job, then sourcers become null and void. But you're seeing it already. You talked about Uncommon. They they have a they, their whole platform is predicated on qualified and interested. So you don't pay unless yep. the individual is qualified and interested. Period. And what do sourcers do? They identify and engage, right? Qualified and interested types of individuals. So, I mean, these, you've got the link that we just talked about LinkedIn earlier. They're trying to serve up qualified and interested candidates. So, yeah, to be able to sit there, Nero fiddling why Rome burns, <laughs> um, that to me, it just, it, it was, it was actually kind of funny because as I read down through it at first, I was like, this guy's got to be fucking kidding. No, he, he was, he was not kidding at all. Yeah. And I think privately, you and I know a ton of sourcers who tell us, yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. Well, and, and they understand and most of them are, you know, more, more broad than just being sourcers. They can do more and they understand they're going to have to, I mean, even recruiters, recruiters are going to have to change who they are because many of the these tasks that they have to do on a daily basis are going to go away. Process is going to change. Uh, technology is going to change it. And they're going to have to change and evolve with it. There's no question. But from a sourcing standpoint, that entire position, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, recruiters, it's it's who's going to be the best users of tech, who knows the best tech, et cetera. It's just like, it's similar to marketing. You know, marketing, even though you have these tools, programmatic, ad buying, et cetera, it's just who knows those tools the best is going to be the one that's employable, not the one who's stuck in the old, old times. Yeah. You still need a liaison, internal liaison with these hiring managers. It's all there is to it, man. You do. Um, Technology is going to be able to do a lot of what recruiters do today. Just the the minute, the, the task that takes up most of their, their time. So they're going to be freed up to do some really cool shit, I believe, from being more of like a brand ambassador to the actual candidates themselves to make sure that those candidates don't go into a damn black hole, even if they're not qualified for the position, as well as ensure that the hiring managers know exactly why they're getting the candidates that they're getting. I agree, man. And again, the good news is robots aren't podcasting yet. Not yet. Google Duplex, you stay the fuck away from podcasting. <laughs> Chad, welcome back, man. And uh, I guess we out. Good to be back. We out. Hi, this is Stella Cheeseman. Thanks for listening to the Cheese and Chad podcast. Or at least that's what I call it. Anyway, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. That silly Android phone thingy or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to give Bucket some money to our sponsors. Otherwise, I may be forced to take that coal mining job I saw on Monster.com. We out.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.